Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the First Things in the Morning podcast, a show with short episodes to listen to while waking up and having your morning tea. We can all start our day by learning something new about the world. Today's episode will be the second entry in the series On the Map. If you are new here, um, this podcast doesn't have a set subject, but we do have some different mini-series, just to bring some structure into it, so that you can... Um, see what the episode is really about just by looking at the title. So in the series on the map we take a look at a specific country and just learn all about it. While in White Coats we talk about medical stuff and in Thanks we thank heroes of history for what they did for us. Go look for those episodes as well if you like. In today's episode of On the Map we are going to take a look at Kazakhstan. Because I didn't know anything about it, so it was about time that that changes. It is a very, very big country. It has a total of 2,724,900 square kilometers, which is about the size of the American state New Mexico. I guess it won't feel that big to Americans or Australian people, but as a European person, I am used to very small countries, and I don't know if you've heard, but... We aren't even really good at running those well. So it's always kind of scary to me when I am reminded of such big countries that are all under the same government. It is also a transcontinental country, which means that it is partly Asian and partly European. Kazakhstan is officially labeled as democratic, although there are some red flags. The biggest one is that freedomhouse.org says that it is in fact an authoritarian regime, which generally isn't a good sign. But I won't be going into politics much today, or ever in this specific series, because um, although I think of course that political things are very important and you know you should listen to the things that are said about them, um, I want to show the culture and the people and the history here. I think the media is completely overtaken by politics, politics, sorry, I keep wanting to say politics because the Dutch word is politique, but it's politics, politics, ah, I lost it. Anyway, the media talks a lot about it because it's, of course, it's the most important thing within a culture if you want everyone to be treated right and, you know, things to run smoothly, but I don't think it's always a good thing that we focus so much on it. If you only hear about the politics of a different country and you don't agree with those politics, politics, I think, (laughs) sorry, I think it's easier for people to become less tolerant. It is harder for some people to see, especially if you're already kind of, you know, growing up in xenophobic circles, that individuals aren't the politics of their country. If there was more in the news about the welcoming culture of people of certain countries and about the amazing food and the cool history and the myths and other cultural aspects, it would be harder to be someone who genuinely believes um, untrue things like that people from certain countries all hate women or whatever. Like People aren't what the laws of their country are. And I think it's very important to um, to realize that. And I don't think 
that oversaturation of constant political um, discussion, which is important, but sometimes I think it harms um, the perspective of people that aren't that into politics anyway, so they only hear that and they don't do other research. So I'm here to be uh, just happy person. <laughs> and in there's an upcoming uh, mini-series where we talk all about politics, but this one is just gonna be, hey, look at this cool country and what it does, not at whatever a government uh, is doing. All right, so let's learn all about Kazakhstan and its people. Kazakhstan has been inhabited by humans and the ancestors of our species since the Paleolithic period. This period started roughly 3.3 million years ago. And because of this, as you can probably imagine, Kazakhstan has a super long history and a lot of cool archaeological findings. Kazakhstan has always been inhabited by many nomadic people. Uh, these are people that travel around a lot and never stay in one place uh, for too long. You might have seen pictures of the big round tents covered with felt on the Asian steppes. Uh, the nomads of Kazakhstan use these tents as well, but they are also common in places like uh, Mongolia. They are actually called yurtas, which is a Kazakh word for uh, family and community, which I think that's nice that they call their homes that too. But the nomadic nature of the country does not mean that Kazakhstan doesn't have cities at all. It, its current capital is called Nur Sultan. During my research, this part really confused me because most sources call the capital Astana. It happens more often that proper nouns change a bit every time it's translated, but Astana and Nur Sultan seemed like too big of a difference to be right. Turns out that the capital changed it, its name only this year, from Astana to Nur Sultan, in honor of the president Nur Sultan Nazarbayev. So that's the confusion. So you might think uh, that the capital is Astana uh, from your high school geography homework, but it's called Nur Sultan now. There are a couple really interesting historic cities as well. One of these ancient cities was called Otrar. Otrar is located in the south of the country and back in its heyday, it was in the middle of an oasis. This is a part of the desert that due to location and, well, just a bit of luck, has a lot of water and as a consequence it has more plants and trees and shade, so it's a more pleasant place to live. You can see why people would stop their nomading ways and settle down in such a place, because most of the desert is a pretty rough place to live. The river that made this part of the desert an oasis was full of fish and the people used the water from the river to irrigate their crops. As far as I can find, Otrar is a ghost town now, which means that it was never really forgotten and then refound by archaeologists, but it just kinda was abandoned and left alone and no one really cared until research started in the early 70s. Otrar was first founded around two years before the birth of Christ, at the same time of the Persian Empire, and it quickly became a very sophisticated city. It was part of the Silk Road, which, as you might know, was a route used by Western merchants at the time to travel to the east, mostly to China, 
and mostly to get themselves some silk, hence the name Silk Road. Any city that is along a route that busy is bound to benefit financially. The city was very wealthy and successful. The way the city was built was apparently typical for Central Asian cities of the time. And although the architectural style is very different, in functionality it sounds a lot like European cities of the time as well. It had an arc, um, that is a central fortress, and a fortified city around it, which means that the whole city was surrounded by a city wall to protect it, making the whole city um, somewhat of a fort itself. And oh boy, did they need protection in the 13th century. Because Odrar managed to piss off the infamous Genghis Khan. Fun fact about Genghis Khan, when I was 10, I did my class presentation on him. I'm not sure where I picked up that subject, and it is super inappropriate for little children. Um, I wasn't allowed to check out most of the city library books on him, because he just raped and murdered so many people. I don't know why my mom and my teacher let me talk about it in class. Needless to say, people thought I was kind of weird, <laughs> even though I thought it was way better and way more interesting than the presentation about horses that came after mine. So. Genghis Khan for the win, but don't because he was a bad man, but I got a good grade. <laughs> anyway, so at the time Otrar was under the rule of the Koreshmash, um, which I'm sure I butchered that word. I tried to find a pronunciation guide everywhere, but apparently it's not really used anymore. But this, uh, the leader uh, of these people was Mohammed II, and he had a bit of an ego. He reckoned himself the new Alexander the Great. And when Genghis Khan, who probably was the actual second uh, Alexander the Great, compared Mohammed to one of his sons, Mohammed was absolutely in insulted because surely he was greater than Genghis Khan himself, let alone one of his sons. To let off some steam, he arrested and murdered an entire caravan, including an ambassador and a lot of merchants that were part of Genghis Khan's group. And as you might expect, the Mongolian warlord did not take kindly to that. <laughs> so he came over with his boys to take revenge on the entire city. It is actually said that Genghis Khan didn't have any plans to bother West Asia or Europe at all, until he had to go there anyway for Otrar. So if Otrar just played nice, history would probably have played out very differently as many countries would never have to deal with the very aggressive Mongolian army. And they could probably have put their time, money and alive men uh, to other causes. So thanks, Otrar. Good job for just ruining everyone's day. Genghis laid the city to just absolute waste. The city was ransacked, the people were raped, murdered, and the whole city was burned. And most cities wouldn't come back from that, that's pretty final. But after Genghis's army was done destroying the city, they decided that, on second thought, they actually really liked this location and the connections that the city had, so they started using it. It recovered its gl previous glory pretty quickly, and was in use, although over time less and less, until the 1700s, when it was yet again trashed by an angry army. And this time it never really came back from the attack, and it was abandoned. Today, not a whole lot is left of it. 
one source, that is an actual Kazakh tourist website, describes it as just a dusty mound, which isn't very honorable. There isn't much left to actually call a city, but there are still some clear walls and, you know, ruins. And you can walk through where the Palace of Verbidek, a 14th century structure, was located, as well as see some parts of the bathhouse and the palace mosque that also still remain. Some sources theorize that the very famous Al-Farabi was born in Otrar. He was a very smart man, and as most smart men of the time, he was very versatile. He was a scientist, a cosmologist, a mathematician, a musical scholar, and a philosopher. Many see him as one of the mo people with the most knowledge of anyone at the time, second only to Aristotle, among many other things. He did research on the existence of a vacuum. A true vacuum is a space with nothing in it, not even air. Of course, we now know it exists, uh, because black holes are a thing, but I am baffled by how anyone would even think of such a thing uh, at the time when there was so much else to discover. I guess someone always has to be the first to come up with crazy ideas that turn out to be the correct answer, but still. Pretty good job. He was also the first person to experiment on the subject. And in his final conclusion, uh, he concluded that it wasn't likely that true vacuum existed anywhere, as air, in his opinion, would always just expand to fill any leftover space. So, a little less of a good job there. Not quite correct. But I still think the man deserves a credit for trying. And he came pretty close. <laughs> Moving on from Othrar and its many people, I really like myths, especially the really old ones. I understand most things are just substitutes for science and whatnot, but that's boring and I choose to believe that every lie has a core of truth. And Kazakhstan has one very interesting core to discuss. It is theorized that the original Amazonian warrior women came from Kazakhstan. The myth of the Amazonians that has led to creations such as Wonder Woman, which you might know from all the movies and stuff. I'm not a big Marvel fan, but she seems cool. This myth goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. They were first described by a poet named Homer. He's real famous. He wrote the book called The Iliad, which I'm sure you have heard of. In this book, he wrote about these fierce warrior women that were worthy opponents of his male characters. In the centuries after that, historians had a whole bunch of fights about if they had actually existed or not. Some thought they did in some capacity, but most just thought it was probably just a tale or a confusion. Uh, someone even proposed that it might be uh, that it was an army of skinny men with long hair and the Greeks just thought they were women. But in the 90s, Russian and American archaeologists found several Kurgans. Kurgans are burial mounds. So um, think of a grave with a um, traditional mound on top of it. These Kurgans were near the town of Pokrovka in Kazakhstan. The graves revealed skeletons of women, but they were buried with swords and daggers. One woman had been buried wearing an amulet around her neck that took the form of a leather pouch and it contained a bronze arrowhead. 
and on one side she had an iron dagger and on the other side she had a quiver holding more than 40 bronze tipped arrows. She was bow-legged, which proved that she spent a lot of time riding horseback. It is hard to argue that these women weren't warriors. Um, but some people actually tried to do that, uh, saying that the fact that they were buried with um, these items doesn't mean that they were fighting with them in their personal life. But the bow-legged women, I mean, that's pretty conclusive evidence that they actually did spend a lot of time, at least on horseback. Dr. Janine Davis Kimball, the leading scientist of the excavations, argues that they probably weren't fighting battles, Wonder Woman style, but they were trained to protect their herds and their lands and their people, if anyone were to attack them first. Most of the skeletons didn't show serious signs of violent deaths, which probably means that she's right. Although, if you ask me, that could also just mean that they were just really good at fighting and never died of it, but maybe that's wishful thinking. Let's go with the opinion of the scientists for now. These findings didn't just give a semblance of backup to the Greek stories of the Amazonian warriors, but it also caused anthropologists to rethink their entire stance on women within Eurasian nomad societies or in the first millennium. It appears that these women had a pretty important and influential role uh, within their um, groups. And most of the weapons look pretty fancy, which means that the women who were buried were probably wealthy. And uh, that means that they were allowed to be wealthy, which wasn't always a given for women anywhere. Evidence has also been found that some of the women were claimed to be warriors on horseback from a very young age, which means that it was an actual cultural practice for women to become fighters and not just something that happened once when need be because they were attacked. Which, that's pretty cool because that means that their societies really supported them being warriors. For my final story of the day, I chose something that might help as a positive reminder to anyone who feels like they can't do anything right. During the 2012 Olympics, Maria Dimitrenko won a gold medal. Now, when the medals are given out, they play the national anthem of the winners, right? They played an anthem, but uh, it wasn't the Kazakh one. It was an anthem made up by a comedian in the movie Borat. A movie that is kind of, let's call it, edgy. Among other things, this song praises the country for having very clean prostitutes. And that was the song that they actually played during the actual Olympics, while an actual Kazakh woman was receiving a gold medal. Imagine the absolute shock. So whatever you did, whatever you were going to do, just remember that you weren't the guy who lined this song up for the ceremony of the Olympics in 2012. You weren't the guy who accidentally messed up the anthems. Really not a hard job to do at all. In such a bad way. So in my book, really? You are doing great. Just keep on doing what you do and don't play Borat movies during official ceremonies. Great. That's all I have for you guys today. I hope you liked this episode and if you did, it would really help me out if you could leave a rating and a review. Maybe subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can reach me on my Twitter at in the morning pod. 
and at my email firstthingspod at gmail.com for any topic suggestions, notes, or just to say hi. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time on the First Things in the Morning podcast.